Everybody and welcome to this week's episode of Game Devs Quest, your once weekly podcast falling to Game Dev Scrubs and a Game Devdom. If we can do it, you can too. I'm Rhett. I'm Taylor. Welcome aboard, man. Hey, you know what's really fun? I'm on the road to CES. I, I think I mentioned that I'm going, but you yeah. remember? I think you did. All right, absolutely. Well, I was talking to the listener, Taylor. Don't get greedy. You'll have your moment. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Shut up! <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm on the road to CES, and one of the things that I'm really looking forward to, I heard from a little bird that there is going to be a demo of the Oculus Quest there. Oh, uh, snap, And of course, dude. we talked about the Oculus Quest, what, last week, the week before? Yeah, um, all the weeks. Yeah, so I'm going to try to go check that out. Uh, we'll see. We, I've got... Uh, days that I'm not really working, 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 like I, I basically days where our work is open ended and we can walk the floor. I'm going to try to, I'm going to try to prioritize the Oculus quest. So I'll let you know, I'll let you know all about that, but there's going to be a lot of cool stuff there. I'm I'm pretty excited about it. What else uh, do you know about that's going to be there that you're interested in? I heard AMD has some big announcements, which I guess is a little less interesting to game devs, maybe. Uh, <laughs> what, they're coming out with 16 core pro- processors? Uh, well, they already announced a 32 core processor. What? So, yeah. <laughs> Dude, I feel like AMD did this thing where like uh, dual core was still like the main type of processor, and then they're like, yeah, just... You guys be settled with your dual core, and now we're releasing an eight core, and everyone was like, ah! <laughs> so, well, we were just talking about this, actually, and I think it was Intel. They were like, we've got an eight core, you know, five gigahertz processor, and then AMD was like, I can't remember, there, but there were some, some shortcomings about that Intel chip, and AMD was like, all right, well, here's our 10 core at uh, 4.3, and everybody's like, this is nuts! <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, dude. Yeah, the... Uh, the processor wars are good for consumers, so uh, we're hoping that the AMD announcements uh, lead to Intel maybe not being king of the market all the time, so we'll see what happens. AMD is being a straight baller. What do you got so. in your computer? Do you have AMD or Intel? I have Intel, I believe, but not that's not because... Yeah, I've got Intel. Uh, not because I chose that. But because that's what I've inherited. (laughs) (laughs) Gotcha. Yeah, because I've the last couple computers that I've owned have all been like basically Intel Core, whatever Core i. I have two computers with Core i sevens in them. But yeah, my laptop has a Core i seven that I think is really great. Um, You can just notice the power when you're processing audio. And doing all that stuff, like everything is just so much better. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> nice. And yeah. then, honestly, uh, I th- I just think I have a quad core in my desktop. See, my desktop computer. If you get, those of you guys who don't know this, Taylor knows this about me, but uh, I've routinely been behind the curve in computer technology in terms of what I own. I've always had secondhand equipment, and my current life uh, nearly. 
15 years later is uh, unchanged. So my laptop is secondhand. I got it because the hard drive stopped spinning and the previous owner didn't want to fix it or didn't know how to fix it. So I did. And it's a really great computer. And then my desktop uh, was like a, a grandparents, maybe mine, maybe Bailey's. I don't remember whose. And it just ha- it had 16 gigabytes of, of RAM and this uh, quad core processor, which was better than my last desktop, which uh, bit the bullet like four years ago now. And so I was like, all right, I put in a GTX 570 into it because that's all I have, which was donated to me by a friend that we play <laughs> Dota with. <laughs> he took pity on me. He's like, well, I guess if you buy me a game on Steam, I'll ship this to you. <laughs> I was like, okay. So he sent that to me. I put that in and it's been great. I haven't had any issues. Um, but all I really use it for is like occasional games and stuff, and it runs everything that I need it for. Yeah, see, that's the thing with with not being an early adopter is you don't really need a lot to mm-hmm. to get by. And you know what else, Rhett? It's good for the environment. <laughs> it is. And you know the thing, like we talk about this on Craft Computing all the time, which is who I'm going to CES with is Craft Computing, um, which is uh, you know our other YouTube channel thing. The truth is, is that for some reason, the PC Master Race would have you believe that you got to buy the most expensive and the most powerful equipment available to you. But if you want to run games at 35 to 45 FPS, you don't need the best, most powerful stuff out there, right? Right. You don't have to play a game on ultra settings to play a game. Yeah. Well, especially if you're playing mostly indie games. Like, dude, I right. could... <laughs> like, I, I was telling you this, that I played like 15 hours or whatever of Stardew Valley over the weekend. And like, what do you even need to run that? I could probably run that on like this Linux computer that I have here that has four gigs of RAM on it. Like, it yeah. would be no problem. Yeah, you I know? don't think it would be an issue. Yeah. Um, I've played it on several uh, laptops, some of which are not anything powerful at all. Yeah. And plus, the market, I feel, is going to move away from big, bulky computer hardware. I think that's going to be like a niche-type thing, and people really like doing it, and they like building their sweet desktop mods. But I think that with, if Google Stream keeps going the way – Project Stream, rather, is goes the way that I think it's going to go, we're all going to just invest in Chromebooks, and you know we're going to play uh, the PC port of Red Dead Redemption 2 on a Chromebook. Yeah. Well, so this is kind of interesting. Speaking of Chromebooks, like, so working in IT, like, we hear people sometimes bring up things like, well, if we're trying to save costs, why can't we just use a Chromebook? And it's like, we have a Windows domain. Like, no, we're not getting Chromebooks. It just doesn't integrate well. But the last company I worked at, um, I was talking to one of my friends who still works in the IT department there, and they literally... Nibs. Not Nibs, another guy. Yeah, Nibs a good dude though. (laughs) Uh, They almost their entire company, despite other than the developers and maybe like the IT department, they like we used to be pushing PCs with like you know full blown desktops and like imaging them and all this stuff like constantly like multiple times a week replacing people's desktops. And now because most of what they do is web based, like they have this like web application that they do most of their work on and then they other than that it's pretty much excel and email well they now use chromebooks for everything because they started using google drive like all the google Docs suite 
and then the way to do it. Gmail. So yeah. like everything is web based and like instead of paying, you know, eight to twelve hundred dollars for like a standard HP or Dell desktop. They're pay- paying like 400 bucks for a Chromebook. <laughs> like I never thought that I would live to see the day that that would happen. But that, I feel like it's a smart business move because think of the savings that they're having right there. So I think right. it's in a similar way, um, just like with all this cloud stuff, uh, with cloud gaming and everything, I think we're going to start seeing that where you don't really need that powerful thing. You basically just need a, a screen and a mouse and a keyboard. Like, um, I don't know if we've ever talked about, you know, how computers used to be like, you have the mainframe and then you have like your terminal PCs that connect to the mainframe. Like then it was, everything was kind of like offloaded to the user and you got like these really powerful machines. And now with the internet and everything being more interconnected, it's like, I think that we're going to see this uh, revival of like this old kind of like mainframe terminal type of thing. Which is interesting. Right. It's like technology is cyclical, just like history. You know, it really is. It's yeah. weird, but I mean, imagine like, wouldn't it be pretty cool too? Like, <clears throat> even just kind of a different iteration of that would be like having your beast mode mainframe like in your own closet at your house, and then you could just like run your little shell computers through a connection, you know, a wireless connection, and you could right. have like, yeah, your little tablet and stuff and now all the processing is done on that thing and it just streams to your tablet or right. you have your little laptop and it does it like that or would your be a raspberry cool pi, dude. That too yeah huh? or your raspberry pi yeah there you go yep it's pretty cool yeah man it's pretty cool it is we'll see what happens hey this is kind of new cool and like breaking news and like kind of something that happened to me this week and also just now while we're podcasting <laughs> what so um a couple weeks ago i helped jeff from Craft Computing, review a four. Oh, ooh, excuse me, a five K display virtual reality headset. What? Yeah, and it's called the Pi Max Five K Plus. Pi Max or? Yeah. And, um, you know, obviously don't hey, watch it now. By the way, I just Googled Pi Max Five K, and the first recommended video is Craft Computing. Yes. What? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I took that picture of Jeff. That's legit. <laughs> um, so I helped him uh, create that review, and it just launched. Like right as I right as we press play, I couldn't talk about it before it launched, but here it is. And Jeff on Discord on the Craft Computing Discord just said that Pimax contacted him and they want to play his video review on the show floor at CES. What? <laughs> Dude. Yeah. That's awesome. Dude, it was such a fun video and I don't want to take away from Game Dev's Quest at all, but if you got a little bit of time, go skim through, uh, hear all the dumb shit that I say. <laughs> um, it was just a lot of fun. We played a bunch of different VR games and compared them directly against like the HTC Vive headset. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we had some issues. Like, it didn't work with some of the really beautiful games like Senua's Sacrifice, uh, Hellblade, uh-huh. or whatever. But uh, it was a lot of fun. We put some bloopers at the end, and so you get to see me making an ass of myself while playing VR. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of fun. But that's very cool. Pimax wants to play our video on CES, so I just wanted to drop that because that's, that's pretty, pretty legit, exciting. Dude. Yeah. Cool, man. Yeah, I see that. 
I search for Pimax 5K and I also see 8K listed here. Yeah, uh, there is an 8K headset, but it's expensive. Yeah. <laughs> the cost of this headset was like $700. Dang. Yeah. Does it need a computer? <clears throat> well, yeah, because it runs off the Vive system. Oh, okay. Gotcha. So, yeah, what's kind of neat about it is that it's marketed completely towards people who own the HTZ Vive already. Oh, gotcha. And you use the same sensors, the same paddles. You just swap out the headsets. Interesting. The one downside is I'm pretty sure you have to have um, like a GTX 1080 Ti. Oh, so it needs even beefier graphics card? Yeah. Yeah. It needs well, like mean, the creme de la creme. If you're pushing 5K, I didn't even know that was a thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. 8K, bro. I know. <laughs> I think they're already like making 10K TVs as well. It's fucking God. bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> cool, um, man. But yeah, anyway, so that's exciting. Anyways. <clears throat> Should we get on to the, the bulk of the episode? I think so. All right, so <laughs> yeah, so Rhett and I have been talking about, uh, like we said last week, getting game dev kind of built back into the podcast a little more uh, in a structured way. And so this week we thought we would talk a little bit about uh, character development in games, uh, what we think makes a good character, uh, you know, things to, to pay attention to when you're trying to create characters. And of course, like we're not professional game developers, so what do we know? But we thought it'd be a fun thought experiment. And what kind of provoked it was just looking around on uh, Gama Sutra, uh, some of the articles they had. And there's an article that features some of the best uh, known like story writers, like uh, what's, what's your favorite guy's name? Uh, oh, Chris Avalon who worked yeah. on like Planescape Torment and apparently also Divinity Original Sin 2, which is a great game. Um, so anyways, that's kind of the scoop here. Yeah, absolutely. And what's interesting, so again, we haven't, we've read this article together and it's like, this is cool. This could be a topic. But what really got me thinking about it, and I think this applies really well to indie devs, especially because I'm thinking like, if you're going off of, let's say, a game like Donkey Kong or the Super Mario Brothers, Sonic the Hedgehog is another good example of you have these iconic characters fielding their own franchises, basically. But, like, what makes them memorable? Like, uh, And obviously the game plays a huge part of it. If the games were flops, we wouldn't even know who yeah. the fuck these dudes were. Right. Uh, so one one interesting tidbit... Uh, as I was kind of like reading that article, I started looking up some some other videos and listened to a bunch of people talk about character design. And one of the things that I thought was the most interesting strategy was like, think about, oh, this, this is the example. Like, so Nickelodeon used to have this segment on TV where like between their shows or like during the commercial breaks, they would have like their own little Nickelodeon commercials. And one of the, one of them they used to do was they would show a picture of a silhouette of a character. So it's just like the outline of the character and it's all dark. Yeah. And where are you getting this from? Nickelodeon? Yeah. 
No, well, no, this was this was a video. I I could look it up and find it, but it was a video about um, character design, and they were Got talking it. about basically what makes a character a great character, and one of the ways uh, is basically characters that you can identify without actually really seeing them. Right. So they were using this example as like, so um, do you remember the character Eugene on Hey Arnold? He had like yeah, this. Yeah, of course. Who gets the bicycle with tires yeah. so thick he can run over <laughs> busted glass? Yeah. And what is what is he? Oh, he always like gets in an accident. He's like, I'm okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you're right. <laughs> well, so in in Hey Arnold, I mean the main character Arnold has a football head, so everyone kind of yeah, knows. Yeah, friend Gerald too. Yeah, everyone has like weird shaped bodies and heads and it doesn't look, I mean, they look human like, but they also are very like distinct, right? And so, Hey Arnold kind of like trolled these, their viewers because they had like this outline of, of a character as this a silhouette and it, you're like, oh, that's Eugene, that's Eugene. And then it turns out it was like, you know, an orange with like a, can that was like slightly open in a particular way that ended up looking like Eugene's head. But like, even though that wasn't Eugene, you're like, oh, that looks like Eugene from Hey Arnold. Right. Like that is, yeah, go ahead. I got to jump in because by now everybody listening to this is yelling at you like, Pokemon made me do this too. Yeah. (laughs) Because between uh, during commercial breaks, Pokemon, it'd be like, who's that Pokemon? And it would just be like a, a shadowy figure of, you know, which, and you had to guess which Pokemon it was. And when the show came back on, it'd be like, it's Rattata or yeah. whatever, you know, um, which is interesting because like Pokemon was one of the examples I was going to bring up. But then you brought up. <laughs> Did you uh, say hey Pokemon? <laughs> yeah, Pokemon. <laughs> uh, nice Pokemon. Yeah, that brings me back. Anyways. I know, doesn't it? Uh, <laughs> we won't go there. No. Uh, but uh, Hey Arnold is a really good example, and there are even episodes that tie in with like their weird, bizarrely shaped uh, figures. But also, one that all of a sudden pops in when you get going on this is The Simpsons. Yeah. Like, think about the main characters in The Simpsons. They all would have different silhouettes even for their faces right you know except for like maybe maggie and lisa if you didn't know uh-huh. but uh but otherwise all of them are so distinct in that way yeah well and like this example it's not going to work for like super realistic games um no. but especially like for car- cartoony things it's you always hear like you should over exaggerate things yeah so like when you're studying animation and seeing like how a character walks you're not just going to like look at how a person looks, you know, video of them walking. You could, but it ends up looking like kind of flat and boring. So you want to like um, exaggerate the motions, like make their arms like hang much lower than they should and like swinging kind of like ape-like or something and, you know, just really exaggerate things. But that's the same with like how the character looks, like their body, um, because people will remember that better you know right so that was one thing that i thought was really interesting well who are some characters from some games that do this really well and i think we mentioned mario is one but even like mario is kind of just like obviously as time went on his like stylized appearance became a little bit more obvious than it was in in his appearance Mm -hmm. in the original donkey kong game yeah as the uh protagonist 
but you know he's kind of set aside because he's just like a regular dude but you get like sonic the hedgehog and you have these yeah. exaggerated spikes obviously hedgehogs aren't blue right which is kind of another design choice that um well and even the like when you like ramp him up to run and it, his you know yeah. his his feet are like spinning in this odd circle kind of thing that makes him look like he's just flying you know yeah like yeah i think sonic the hedgehog is a really great example um and it, and it almost feels like and maybe my mind is just blanking but it almost feels like over time as technology has gotten better you don't have quite as many of these like really standout characters that are household names that everyone knows you know right and i part of that i wonder if it's because of what we've talked about over and over through the years just of like limitations you know like mario was drawn that particular way because they had limitations on the amount of pixels that they had you know right um so as things have gotten kind of more realistic maybe they uh lost kind of that focus or something i don't know yeah and what's really interesting too is the names of these characters as well and obviously like as an indie game dev this is probably going to be the last thing you're thinking about like character design for sure but naming maybe not but would mario have been as successful as he was if when they're creating the donkey kong game yeah they didn't agree that their little plumber man was going to be called mario like right. if he was called Phil or called <laughs> Steven, yeah. would that be as exciting as Mario? Like clearly not. Like we're laughing at it just saying it. I know. Well, it's funny too because like I watch a lot of angry video game nerd and he'll highlight, you know, these awful games that no one's ever heard of and there's a reason that they haven't been heard of. And a lot of them, it's the same way. It's like they might have some like very magical character and then his name is like Kevin or something right you know it's like okay and that's that was one of the things that made it really hard for me to get into this the sort of truth series was that i'm used to reading high fantasy where we got bilbo baggins yeah and carmelo underhill and right uh just made that one yeah up. but anyway <laughs> that reminded me of high school but oh yeah cross country yeah you're yeah. right Car- i was um carmelo brandy buck Carmelo Brandybuck. That right? was me. And Carmelo course, Angmar I... Brandybuck, to be specific. <laughs> oh, oh, whoa. So, yeah, we used to do this thing where on our cross-country team in the summertime, we would go to these sort of like fake races where anyone from the city could like enter in this race and run. And like for some reason, there was like this tradition fake, on our team. By the way. They were real races. They were, but it was more for fun. You know, it was... For us, it was more fun. They weren't like they didn't count towards your like rank in yeah. the league. Right. But so for some reason, like there was this tradition where everyone just made up their names. And like, this was the time when Lord of the Rings was like hot. And so we yeah. always ended up like coming up with these stupid, like Lord of the Rings names. And that's what like, well, cause at the end they would have to announce, cause they did give medals and they would announce people's names. And it'd be like, you know, and <laughs> like Carmelo, LeBron, somebody else was named LeBron, like Le- LeBron Baggins or something. And then, <laughs> <laughs> they say that in front of like, you know, dozens of people. It was funny. But anyways, right. but yeah, you're right. The high fantasy, just like having these interesting names, like people pick up on that and like remember them yeah. better. But, that, but that's what I was going to say about sort of truth is that the main character's name was Richard yeah. Ugh. Like, dude. 
Try reading twelve books with a man's name Richard, and then everybody else like his his like mentor's name is Zedekus Zul Zorander, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I know, dude. And like one of his friends, his name is Chance. Uh-huh. Uh, right, like all of these people have unique names, but then there's Richard. Yeah, Richard, shut up, Dick. Richard. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um. So it's kind of interesting, and I I always take names maybe just a touch too seriously because I I find that naming to be like one of my better skills in design in general. How so? And like, what? Like, do you have some examples of names? Like for characters or yeah, what? Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> Put you on the spot. Like, Prove it. <laughs> well, I'll tell you for starters, like my three main Dungeons and Dragons characters that I'm most proud of that I put some thought into. Yeah. Like, <clears throat> first of all, I I have to preface this like the naming convention. The reason this name this guy has like a really bland surname is because his family was awarded a surname. They were peasants before. So okay. yeah, it's going to be bland. Okay. Anyway, Duroc Dragonsbane, who I've talked about on the podcast. Yeah, I do like that name. Duroc is such a good name. Yeah. Like, that's a great name. Yeah, I like that. Um, and then I have uh, Kriliak, Dragonborn Warlock. Okay. That's cool. Yeah, it's not too bad. And then I have uh, Carmelo T. Muckbuckle. Whose friends call him Bucky. So, you know, on his okay. tombstone, it'll say Carmelo T. Bucky Muckbuckle. <laughs> nice. I like it. And yes. So, and gnome, the reason the, gnoming, the gnome naming convention is a little wonky, too, is because gnomes can have uh, dozens of names throughout their lives and often give names uh, to different names, different people, depending on their mood. So uh, that's why he. Oh, and also I have Bebo Plump Pocket, which is a good one. To say. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yeah, Bebo was a good character. Uh, but yeah, anyway. Like um, All right. Well, you proved your point, Rhett, the name giver. I mean, those are okay then? You approve? No, I do approve. They're, it's much better uh, than Richard. No offense to any Richards out there. But. Well, and then the other thing that people do with fantasy names that sometimes bugs me is they just go to fantasy. I know. Yeah, go to the elvish name uh, generator and, you know. Oh, dude. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Go to fantasynamegenerators.com. Yeah. <laughs> And pick any of those, and those are almost like all names that I would hate. Yeah, I know. Um, and that's so dumb. Well, like, so this kind of reminds me of like, and now I won't be able to to name anything specific, but like, do you remember the Aragon books? Yes. It's like they. Yep. Uh, they, he was trying so hard to make it feel epic. Yeah. But he just missed the mark for whatever First reason. First of all. The first one is epic, okay? Aragon, the first book, is a good book. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And but... some of his made-up elvish words are pretty cool. Okay, well, <laughs> I don't know. Not all of them. Yeah. Language in general is a lot weaker than Sindarin, um, which no matter who you are, you say anything in Sindarin and you sound like a badass. I mean, that word is badass. Absolutely. Sindarin right? sounds like, what... like the name of a metal band, dude. Right? Yeah. There is a metal band named in Sindarin. Really? They're called Amana Marth. Have you ever heard of them? Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Amana Marth, of course, yeah. is Elvish for Mount Doom. Uh-huh. Um, and then one of my favorite phrases is uttered in the uh, Peter Jackson uh, remake of The Fellowship. I don't know if you've seen this one, but hmm. um, 
when Lady Arwen is escorting uh, Frodo, who's just been um, stabbed by a... By a Morgul blade. Morgul blade, thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, and she takes him across the river. Uh, when the ringwraiths start catching <laughs> I was like <laughs> when uh... the ringwraiths are catching up to her she starts yelling at her horse Norolim Asphalaf and uh yeah it's badass it just means ride on Asphalaf because her horse's name is Asphalaf which is such a great name <laughs> yeah. for a horse if you're an elf yeah well I mean yeah we can't really compare much to Tolkien right everything now, is see, basically derived from Tolkien at this point right and here's the thing, like, some of his names I fucking hate. Like, like Gimli is so bad. But the father of the dwarves, Durin? Yeah. Hello? Which is why, kind of where I got Durak a little bit, but... Durin and Turok? Yeah, actually, it was, uh, yeah, I mean, it's kind of a... Yeah, actually, I did K, consider right? Turok, but I thought that the T was stupid. I thought the D commanded a little bit more power than the T. Um, so <laughs> I kind of went there. I also got it from Star Trek, one of the uh, Klingons who is vying for uh, the Emperor's position after the Emperor of the Klingon Empire dies in Star Trek The Next Generation. His name is Duras. Huh. Um, and then, of course, Durin. I was thinking about that. Yeah. Um, but, like, Gimli, Gloin, I know. Groin... How yeah. stupid. He, but so, Thorin, yeah, ooh, Thorin, Thorin is a badass. Part of that, though, is just the fact that with all the dwarf names in The Hobbit, I felt like The Hobbit was different in its overall feel. And I think he mm-hmm. wanted it to feel kind of more like uh, Snow White or something, where you just have like a bunch of dwarfs and like a lot of their names sound very similar in like this rhymey way. That's how I kind of interpreted that. Sure. You know? Yeah, I, I, I can see that. Um, and that's fair. But still, yeah. I get to judge it later. Sure. Um, yeah. Like, you're telling me that during the Deathless eventually gave birth to a man named Groin? Not gave <laughs> birth, but <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah. Like, I, yeah, I know. Anyway. Yeah. So I really like naming, and some people do it really well. Other people don't do it really well. I went to Fantasy Name Generators just to get... Um, <laughs> Some elf names. Yeah. Is that the one where you could type in, like, a name and it will a give seed? it back? Yeah, um, a seed. No. What's what's our names, Rhett? Um, well, I can't do that because you can't give it a seed. But, oh. like, here's just a couple that really bother me. I mean, I guess Camille is pretty good. Camille, but it's Camille Kingala. Yeah. Pertham Trisarius. Ivasar Azorowin, Imar Araris, Elmer Fernarios. Yeah, all of these sound terrible. Right, exactly. And so. So, wait, I got a challenge for somebody out there. I want somebody to. Yeah, to make up a better Elvish name generator. I don't know how that would work, but. Here's what I have to say about these name generators. And often, like, I use the name generator in. Um, Scrivener, which is a lot more realistic uh, to get more fantasy-esque names. I just use like different ethnicities mm-hmm. um, and like different combinations of like male and female names, and like so. I'll, sometimes I'll go through, and it's like if I'm trying to create a character that has 
a certain feel, like I'll find like classic Roman names and I'll like go through those. Or if I'm trying to find so I'll like look for like more Middle Eastern names or whatever. And those always feel like more fantasy esque than just create like going to a fantasy name generator, if that makes sense. Yeah. Because and they're real names, but they just sound more fantasy esque because we're so whitewashed over here in the United States where everybody's name is Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> Although I just read a graph the other day about how uh, in 10 years, everybody will be named Rhett. So there you go. Really? Um, yeah, I don't know. I think the person was just joking, but the birth rates of people named Rhett are skyrocketing. So <laughs> <laughs> anyways, Jesus, we yeah. are going on a tangent here. Um, well, I think the proper way to use a name generator like this is to pick and pull and combine and build your own name from these ideas, right? Like they give you really good ideas, but it's up to you to figure out how to like use them and twist them and make them better right because these are all like really convoluted and irritating and stupid but there are good ideas in them like the name camille like right at the top is like kind of cool you can combine that with some other sounds to make some cool names but but camille kingella like that's stupid yeah anyway well uh, <laughs> so i was gonna say basically like the importance of the name is is that it it does tell a story by itself yeah, um, just does, by the actually. way that it sounds, you know, and like, so as a, as a film studies major, like you are taught to, well, you're taught to basically make movies that tell stories visually. And it's kind of in that same way, like the, the name, the way things sound can also tell the story, you know, right. and um, see, that's, the name Durok Dragonsbane says yeah. his fucking story right in the name, first of all. Right. Like, it, that's why it's on the nose, and sometimes I'm embarrassed by Dragonsbane, but when you play well, with me, you realize that there's a reason. And especially uh, in, like, a fantasy setting like that, yeah. like, if you just present that character, right? Like, you know, you're walking in some town, and you meet Durok Dragonsbane. Well, now yeah. you want to know the story behind how he killed a dragon or whatever. Right, exactly. You know? So it is meaningful. <clears throat> Um, and I think that that's what it like with character design, paying attention to these little details to help build a narrative about who this character is, what like challenges they're facing, what the world around them is like. And so one thing that I thought was kind of interesting um, from the article we read, which we should link in our in the show notes. Yeah, that's a good idea. Um, was like if it were me and I wanted to like create a character, what would I start with? I would start brainstorming what this character is. Right. But a lot of these people were mentioning that building the main character doesn't always start. Like you don't always start with that. You start with building out the environment, building out what the landscape is like. What are the politics of this area? Like, um, who will this pe- person be surrounded by? What are some of the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, <laughs> <laughs> what are some of the conflicts around that this person could face. You know, face or be involved in or help kind of explain the backstory to why they are a particular way? Like, even though sometimes some of these things are hard to deal with personally it's interesting when you play like skyrim or something and one faction hates another faction or you know this group (laughs) hates elves or whatever like that sucks but it it is a very uh interesting story 
that could develop around that. So you can like unravel backstory. And then once you've kind of like fleshed out some of those like stories and setting and everything, then you have a better idea about the role that your character plays. And and one thing right. that I don't remember if it was Chris Avalon or who um, that they stressed the import the importance of companion characters because you got to think about you as the player. I mean, you don't always get like this direct story about yourself. You're hearing direct stories about other people. So by telling those stories about like people who you as the player get close with, you end up unraveling more about yourself too. And so they were like saying one of the first things that they do when they are developing characters is pair up the person, the player with some other character and really flesh that character out to try to help flesh out the, the player character, which I thought was really interesting, right? It's like, don't focus directly on the player character, focus on like the things and uh, people around them to help like build up this character, Uh, which makes it kind of like more organic, you know? So, right. I don't know. I thought that was getting tr- right. interesting. And that's a really good point because what I think one of the most famous examples, and I'm going to use literature again because, sorry, that's like where my mind comes from is this like world building um, mindset. But <clears throat> the perfect example of like a person who probably didn't sit down and come up with his main characters, whatever, uh, George R. R. Martin, Game of Thrones, Song of Ice and Fire, rather. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, the story came about the first time when he was thinking how fun it would be to like do a a fantasy fiction rendition of the war of the roses. And he realized that at the war in the war of the roses, there's like these two families that are right at the heart of it. The Lancasters and the, uh, God, I don't know. Is it the York? I don't remember. Lancasters. I don't know, but isn't that amazing how similar that sounds to Starks and Lannister, (laughs) (laughs) you know? And then from the basis of that conflict, he was able to like really flesh out the rest of this world. Just from that alone, do we get somebody as prolific as Ned Stark or Jamie Lannister, right? You know, and I wonder, I mean, and that's the thing too, like here's another game born of its conflict is right. the game Donkey Kong, which I've mentioned a couple times now, but the original Donkey Kong where you play Mario and you climb up the ladder and you dodge the barrels that the main antagonist, a monkey named Donkey, uh, <laughs> uh, throwing barrels at you, and you have to rescue the princess. Uh, the game is born just of that direct conflict, and you play it, and you know right where each character stands. You know right who the bad guy is. I mean, the damn game is named after the bad guy, you know? Um, yeah, I think that's a, a pretty powerful design choice, clearly used like right at the dawn of modern mainstream gaming. Right. Yeah, well, um, and yeah. to to your point, like talking about just like little things, like the position of the characters in Donkey Kong, like you know who the good guy and bad guy is. Like, it's a, a lot of times it is the simple things that really can develop a character. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> so another thing I thought of thought about was just like, especially because as the as the player you know, typically from like a third person perspective or whatever, the player doesn't actually speak. They're silent. So you have to tell more about them visually. So for instance, paying attention to 
colors and shape of the player um, can really tell tell that story. So, like for instance, if a person is like really troubled um, or angry or something, oftentimes it's a good idea to have red, like this powerful and angry color, you know, with which those sort of emotions are associated with. Uh, which is why Mario's red for sure. He's super pissed that somebody took off with the princess. Yeah. I couldn't tell if you were joking or not, but I think you're not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely joking, but it is kind of a good point though. Like, yeah. Um, well, and so like, I, I'm not great with color theory, but the little bits that I've studied, they talk a lot about that. Like, what do these colors represent? What yeah. emotions do people have when they see these colors? Um, another example, uh, <clears throat> like with film, lighting, really, lighting and like angles of things really makes a difference. So yeah. oftentimes you'll see characters who are going through some sort of conflict uh, where they're like troubled and not sure what to do. You'll see them in lighting where shadows are like covering parts of their face. Or sometimes you'll even visually see like there's a shot in Citizen Kane where Kane like breaks, he like breaks this mirror and it's him, his reflection coming back through shattered glass. Like right after he had kind of this really awful thing happened to him and it's like visually stunning and it really just represents like the raw emotion that he felt in that moment you know (laughs) yeah absolutely um so thinking about designing your characters in that way and obviously like that's film is different than than game design but you can because the only way you really have to tell the story in film is through the camera right exactly Whereas games, you have this interaction. And I'm not saying that color theory doesn't apply and that frames don't apply. There's tons of modern games that do. Yeah. Um, and the tool, I think they're just, the tools are accessed a little differently as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but that doesn't mean that they don't apply, right. right? It's just that you're going to see them a lot more in film and, and TV. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. Yeah. But you may like, you know, for instance, like let's say a character is going through like some big journey or something and throughout their journey they're experiencing levels of growth well a good way to demonstrate that growth is by changing physical things about them and the way that they appear so you might like think about which colors represent their the way that they are feeling or like maybe the experience level or something that they have at each of these stages until ultimately they've kind of like reached the end of their hero's journey and and have become their true form or whatever so putting the time into like thinking how they can be displayed and how these attributes can more fully be represented to the player Um, you know that's a really good idea and i don't know i can't think of any place that i would have seen something like that executed but unless you're talking about a game where you can like equip all your best armor and do all that then of course you're going to naturally see that type sure. of progression but, but i mean like for instance if like zelda um you're playing link at first you know he's a child or something and as he grows up like maybe 
instead of just always wearing green or something like they changed his colors changed maybe his style or something to just right. show that he's like leveled up or like you know gained experience and is now this like confident warrior or whatever you know right yeah so yeah that's a good idea something i've been chewing on we're kind of getting um to the bottom of our time but one thing i wanted to ask and i kept forgetting to ask was like can you think of a modern indie game in the more pixel style where the character design just maybe visually but even just character design in general uh really um grabbed your attention i haven't played this game but one of the first ones that came to mind was celeste yeah um Mostly because what I've seen, for one, the char- the main character is a is a female character, and that's you see that through her hair, and her hair is like one of the more interesting pieces of that character's design. Like it's you know when you're jumping, it's like flowing in the wind and all that stuff, um, and it's just kind of like visually striking. That's the first thing that popped into my head. Might not be yeah. the best example. Uh, especially because I've been playing Stardew Valley where you're just like an unnamed character, but yeah. Um, yeah. One that really jumps out at me, um, is the traveler in journey, the game journey. Uh-huh. Um, of course it's just kind of like this armless apparition that has like this red tinged robe on and your hood on and all you have is your legs. Um, but again, like that design choice, just like having this sweeping flowing roby type thing as you skim through the desert is really interesting and of course you have the color scheme which is interesting like the red and gold the constantly hooded character no arms just legs Mm -hmm. um i don't know that one always really stuck out at at me um and then the other one that really sticks out at me is uh the the character from from limbo (laughs) oh yeah definitely which is just this like kind of weepy, trudgy silhouette of a boy, uh-huh. and it plays really well into the aesthetic and the theme of the game in general. But like, it's so memorable. Yeah, I agree with that. And then some other ones yeah. that I think really uh, Super Meat Boy, of course, like oh, really yeah. helped jumpstart the indie game to have seen. Um, I think Fez is like another good example. Um, another one that came to my mind was Monument Valley. The character is basically just a princess that is a couple of shapes and is right. all white in color. Um, but you could tell that it's like a princess because of the hat, right. you know, and it's very yeah. simple, but it like the whiteness like shows kind of like her innocence or whatever. And uh, I, fa- I found it interesting in that game, how she like uses her hat, which takes up a, giant proportion of her body she uses it she takes it off sometimes and it'll like things will come out of it and it'll be like this magical thing right right so she really sticks out to me too that's yeah that's a really good that's a really good one and then i guess just one other one that i'll mention before we sign off is um do 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 uh that stuck out at me just because I've been seeing a lot of news and stuff i haven't really played too much of it but um the character design for the shovel knight Oh it's yeah, pretty distinct too. Well, and I believe in Shovel Knight. I I haven't played it, but there's a bunch of like each area is like a particular 
baddies domain yeah. and and they tell like the story of that character through the differences in the environment and then in future versions maybe even in shovel knight you can play as those other characters and they all have like this special thing that they can do like shovel knight uh his power is like he can dig with his shovel right so his like attack is jumping downwards on them whereas i don't know what the other characters are but they'll have some other kind of like random main ability and then that kind of dictates the way that they look the way that they are uh you control them and that was another thing uh is worth mentioning is just like how the player the character feels can tell a lot about them you know true so but anyways but yeah, I hate to do this, but I, I do got to get going. And it's been a great episode. I had a lot of fun talking about this. Yeah. And if you guys enjoyed it, let us know. And we got more game design and game dev related topics coming up for you guys. Yeah. Um, hopefully, uh, me being off at CES doesn't interrupt the flow of things too much. Uh, whether or not it's me or just Taylor, we'll, uh, we'll be to be deterred. We'll be yeah. in your ear holes. As yeah, we'll say. be in your ear holes one way or the other, so yep. keep looking for that. I uh, pre- really appreciate you guys listening. Uh, if you guys want to tweet at us, you may do so. We are on Twitter. We're at GameDevsQuest. You can email us, gdq at ourpodcast.com. If you want to come over and join our Discord and be like, yo, character design is a cool thing. I want to talk about character design with people. We got people to talk about that with. Um, and you can do that by going to bit.ly forward slash GDQ Discord. And if you're so inclined, you want to buy yourself some goodies over there on that Humble Bundle, which, you know, I like it. I love Humble Bundle. I'm always checking it. Uh, you can buy yourself some goodies. And if you use our link, a little bit of your purchase... Yeah, it doesn't cost you anything extra. It's just a little bit off your purchase goes uh, directly to us. And you can do that by going to bit.ly forward slash GDQ hyphen humble. And I think that about does it. Huh? One other thing, just because we're at the beginning of January and I want to I wanna push my opinions on everybody, check out Veganuary if you want to try, <laughs> if you wanna try yeah. the vegan diet. Try it out for the month. It's it's actually a lot easier than you think it would be. Uh, and if you have questions about it, feel free to hit me up. I have some recipes I can pass your way. But think about it. Absolutely. And check out GameDevsQuest.com for the rest of everything that we might have missed in terms of links. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks so much. And until next week, yep. wah, wah, wah. have a good Cue that music. Yep. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>